everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. I am in the podcast. Y'all are in the podcast studio. I mean, I can't even speak it. This is such a surprise. You're never going to believe this. But Sagan, she's oh, back. I'm back. <laughs> you know, when your first episode, we kicked off a, a little contest. And we're doing another one. Yeah, we are. I'm so excited about this one. You want to tell them or should I tell them? Well, you tell them. You know the details okay. of it better. So from now through the whole month of March, if you post on social media how you're joining the journey, that could be sharing the the podcast episode, a picture of your dur- journal, a screenshot from the app, share to social media, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, whatever you use, Twitter, Tag MySpace. water MySpace. Who's using MySpace <laughs> these days? Tag does that? He, I don't even think you can. I don't, think, I don't know if it's even still running. Tag <laughs> Watermark Church, and every every day that you do that, you will be entered to win to come to the studio to sit in on a recording session through multiple episodes and go to lunch with the Join the Journey team. We want to get to know y'all, so you could technically do that every single day from now through March. So as many times as I share me on the journey and what that looks like, I get to be inserted into this Yeah, like, so you could share the podcast, you could share a picture of your kids doing Journey Junior, but that's going to run from now through the end of March, there's a chance we extend it into April. That's but awesome. right now, from now through March, we'll see how it goes. We've never done something like this before, so it's an experiment. But we want to know you guys, and we can't bring you all in at once. So we thought this would be a fun way to see who's on the journey with us. So um, that's that. Today, we are in what passage? Today, Today we are in Genesis 46 through 47, 12. All right, and I'm just going to let you take it away. Okay. I would love to. Go for it. Okay, guys. So last episode, we talked about how Joseph revealed who he was to his brothers. And these are the same brothers that sold him into slavery. And he received them with such graciousness and love. And we get to see a picture of Jesus, honestly, through Joseph a little bit of how he receives us as sinful people. And then Joseph tells them to go get his dad, Jacob, and bring him to Egypt and come back to Egypt so that they can be provided for in this famine that, Emma, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure we've got five years left in the famine at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You you backtrack to chapter 45, verse 11. Joseph's speaking to his brothers. He says, there I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come. So, yeah, they've got five more years. Yeah, so that's quite a long time. <laughs> um, but really? today, we're in chapter 46. And so Israel, or Jacob, is going to Egypt. And Israel think, slash Jacob. Yeah, Israel slash Jacob. Better way to say it. I think we need to pause here, though, and think about what must Jacob have been feeling? Because this whole time, he's been thinking his son, his favorite son, has died. And now he's being informed, no, actually, your son is alive, and he's in Egypt, and he wants you to come to him. And I just feel like, as a parent, that would be even not as a parent, to know someone that you thought you lost on this side of heaven, someone that has passed away, um, and you're being informed all of a sudden that, no, they're alive. I mean, just the amount of emotion that must have overwhelmed Jacob in that moment, I think it would be a miss on our part to just read over that and to not sit in that a little bit. Because he's about to go see his son he thought was dead. 
And like, that's huge. And it also is huge because the first thing that Jacob does after hearing this news is offer sacrifices to God. And I think that for me, when reading this passage, it just made me question, like, what is my initial response to the Lord when I receive something good from Him? Is it to pause and give Him glory and praise, or is it to indulge in the thing that He's giving me? And I think sometimes when we receive good things, we have this opportunity to fall more in love with Him or to give our love away to that thing that He gave us. It's like— That's fascinating. We can fall more in love with Him or give our love away to the thing that He gave us. Yeah. And I think that there's always an opportunity when we receive good. In the same way, there's an opportunity when we endure suffering to depend on Him and to lean on Him and to grow in faithfulness. There's this opportunity when we are given these good things to fall more in love with Him as a good gift giver. Because, guys, the only thing that you and I deserve is eternal damnation in hell. That's it. Right. And when we know that— Separation from God. Absolutely. And so it's just like, man, like, I pray that my heart would be postured like that, that when I would receive blessing, when I would receive anything good, because all good things come from above, that I would have a heart like Jacob that just stops to just praise God and reset my heart, too, to remind myself of as good as this gift is, it's the giver that is good. Because it's not wrong for Jacob— slash Israel, as the father to celebrate the fact that his child, who he thought was dead, is alive and well. Absolutely not. Like, he, as a good father, he should rejoice in that, but he doesn't elevate it above celebrating the Lord's provision, which is just crazy because the weight of it not being a answer to prayer financially, I mean, I guess in some ways it his son does provide financial provision right. and security for the family. But but it's not just a promotion that he's thanking God for, a new job, a new car, a child who made a good choice. It's like, I, I, my son has escaped this death that I thought he had experienced. And so it would almost feel like justifiable yeah. for him to elevate his son's life above the gratitude and glory that the Lord deserves. And I think that to just move along through the story that we see in this chapter and how it plays out. Like then in turn, we do see God like encourage Jacob. And I think it's interesting in how God encourages Jacob Mm. because at this point, guys, we find out later in this chapter, Jacob is 130 years old and he's about to travel to Egypt. Like he's not in the best shape for that kind of travel. But God comes to him in a vision at night in 46 verse three, when God says, I am God, the God of your father, Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. Reiterating this promise to him. And I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes at the end of your life. And so the Lord comforts Jacob with telling him, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go with you. And this is actually something we see a lot in the Old Testament. And I think that we should take note of um, that the Lord comforts by reminding us that he is with us. And sometimes I think we make it more about God removing the storm in our life Mm. than being comforted by the fact that he's with us in the storm. And I think that there is, there's always that opportunity to just be dependent and lean on Him when the storm is happening and reminding ourselves of, man, I should be comforted more that my Father is with me than if He takes the storm away in the way that I, I think He should or I hope He does. And so as we're moving through the chapter, we are walking through a lineage account, which I know can feel super boring, but it's not boring. because It's not. It's, it's not. This is 
God on the move with his promises, the promises he made in Genesis 3.15 to Abraham in Genesis 12.15 and 17. Um, Land, seed, and blessing, you guys know the drill. And God is reiterating this promise through this lineage and through these descendants that he is going to bless the whole world through. And now he's moving these descendants to Egypt, all 70 of them. And Jacob and Joseph are reunited. And I just, I think this is crazy that these people are being brought to Egypt for provision in this famine. And at one point in time, God's people had to be literally in exodus, spared and saved from Egypt because it was where they were being oppressed. And I think that's just a sweet thing and and something we get to dwell on of like, man, God's provision sometimes comes in strangely wrapped packages. And sometimes we miss how He's providing and how faithful He is because He didn't do it the way we thought He should. And so I think it just reminds us to have eyes to see the way that the Lord is moving all around us. And sometimes I think we get so fixated on, well, I I think He should come through this way, and I think He should do it this way. And we fixate on why Our is God— Our expectation. Why yes. isn't God meeting my expectation? Yes. And then we're like, where is God? And it's like, Did well— Did He fail? Did He fail? <laughs> is He distracted? Does He yeah. not see me? Am I being overlooked? Yeah. And it's like, maybe, maybe the problem—actually, I'm not even going to say maybe. The problem is not, where is God? The problem is, where are your eyes fixated? Mm. Because if your eyes are fixated on the situation that you're waiting for God to fix and solve— then they're not transfixed. They're not fixated on him, which is where they should be. Yeah, which is where they're called. To, where we're called to place our gaze. And so I just think wrapping up this time, guys. I, I think we get to just ponder and sit on. Man, do we believe that God will provide for us? Have we limited God's provision to what we think it should look like? And that can feel so cliche. Yeah. Like, do I trust God? Is essentially the the classic question. But we never outgrow that. Like I need to be reminded, we don't out, we don't outgrow our need to ask that question. Yeah, no, never. And it's our pride. It's your pride that makes you think that you do, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that yeah, I want to end on <laughs> same. <laughs> I want to end on this verse uh, just to back up what I'm saying, guys. In Luke twelve twenty seven through twenty eight, it says, "Consider how the wildflowers grow; they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will He clothe you, you?" of little faith. And I think at the end of the day, what you and I have to hold on to and cling to and remember is God is God because it's who He is. It's not, He's not who He is because of who we are or who we aren't. He is who He is through and through and through. He cannot deny Himself. He is faithful. We are faithless. And I think that we get to read this verse and we get to rest in this truth of He provides because it's who He is, Jehovah Jireh. So good, Sagan. Not because of who we are. So good. We're out of time. <laughs> I want to just let you keep going. Uh, maybe when I go on vacation or something, you can come back and just run the whole show. Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Share. We want to see how you're on the journey. We want to know you. Yes. Share your post. Tag Watermark. Every time you share, you're entered to win. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.